the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. When you got it, say so. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, is, and, and through it he being dead still speaks. Now turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at chapter 4 really quickly because this is the story from which the writer in Hebrews is referring to. And it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you because you, Heavenly Father, are high and lifted up, Lord. You are glorified in this place. And so, Lord, we surrender unto you our minds, our hearts. We yield unto you asking, my God, that you would speak to us directly from your heart, dear God. Father, that you would communicate with us this morning, Lord God, and that you would allow us, Heavenly Father, to look into your word and glean the truths that we need in order to go to the next level in our individual lives, Father God, to get to the next level collectively as a body of believers, my God. Father, we understand that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And I pray that that light would shine brightly, Lord, as your word goes forward today. And Lord God, that you would create in us, Lord God, the heart of faith, dear Lord. Heart and souls, Lord God, that are consumed, that are directed and guided by faith, Father. God, we thank you once again for these examples that we have in your word of faith in what it is, Lord God. Help us to grow in this area as you stretch us into shape, my Lord. Father, we honor you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Last week, we began speaking about faith and we started talking about the definitions that are given in verses one through three. And I wanna just look over those really quickly. We're not gonna go through them in any depth, but let's just read verses one through three in Hebrews chapter 11. I hope you held your place there. If you didn't, it is okay. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And verse two says something that we'll be dealing with in the next few weeks and it is that for for by it speaking of by faith the elders obtained a good testimony and what the writer of the book of Hebrews is doing here is he is communicating to the to the people that he is writing to to the church that he's writing to he's letting them know about what faith really is 
is and how you see faith throughout history. And he gives us this wonderful thing that many preachers have called it the Hall of Faith. You know, we have the Hall of Fame. And so these are the people that have made it to the Hall of Faith. Glory to God. These are the people that if there was a, a room with plaques on it, there, you know, they would be there with pictures and stuff like that. And, they, and it would be said these things that the writer says here. And we come to this wonderful moment where we're talking about this brother by the name of Abel. And the scriptures teach us that the just should walk by faith. And so each and every one of us, when it talks about the just, it is meaning those who have been justified by the blood of Christ and by the sacrifice of Christ. And so if you are a person who has come to Jesus and has recognized that you are a sinner, and that you needed him to save you up from your sins, and that you needed his deliverance, then you are the just. Amen, somebody. And so you being the just have been, have been given this privilege, and that privilege is for you to walk by faith and not by sight. And I say it's a privilege because sometimes it's a privilege, glory to God, and other times it is kind of scary if you think about it. Because we are called not to look at situations or circumstances for what they are, but we are called to look at them from the perspective of Almighty God. We are called to look at the things around us and not to become overwhelmed or to become consumed by them, but we are called in the midst of whatever is going on to be like, you know, the people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were looking at a fire that was seven times hotter and said to the king, O king, we have no reason to answer you about this because if our God decides to deliver us he will and if not it's okay too we're going to be able to be with him and that's my paraphrase end part glory to God but the bottom line is that these men were consumed not by the fire that was burning before them not by the trial that was there that they were facing but they were consumed by something else and we'll talk about them later on because they're part of this hall of faith glory to God but they were consumed not by the threats of man. They were consumed not by the situations that were surrounding them, but they were consumed by faith. They were consumed by something that was that substance we talked about. Remember, last week we talked about that, that practicing of rebuke of the unseen. There was something inside of them that was saying, you know what? I know what I've got to do. The same, the, 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 I've got to stand firm because of the one in whom I have believed. This is what he says. I, wanna, I want you to know that that faith by which you are saved because you are saved by grace through faith, that faith is supposed to keep you until either Jesus returns or you return to him, one of the two. But it should not only keep you until that point, but that faith should be growing as you continue to grow in the Lord. Amen? That faith should be developing. That faith should not be stagnant. It should not be at the same place. That faith should be continuing to grow. And how does it grow? Well, let me tell you how you grow faith. Praise the name of the Lord. First of all, you grow faith. By being in the word of God. Simple. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. Amen. Let me tell you the other way that you help your faith grow. Is by getting around other people who are growing in faith. Mm -hmm. A little bit more difficult. Hallelujah. Because some folks know that same word you know, but they don't seem to be growing in faith. Mm -hmm. So you need to get around some folks whose confession. And I'm not talking about name and claim it. Hello. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about folks who truly are solidified in faith. But can I tell you the greatest way that you grow in faith is by hanging out with Almighty God. See, the more time that you spend with him, the more time that you spend locked up in a prayer closet with him, the more your faith is going to grow. 
Why? Because the scripture says that we look upon him, we look upon his glory, and we are changed from glory to glory. So what happens is the more time that I spend in intimacy, in worship, locked up with Almighty God, the more I get to know him, the more I spend in that prayer. Because when you go into a prayer closet, don't leave your Bible outside of the closet, hello? Bring your Bible in there with you because Almighty God wants to help you to be not solidified in emotions, but he wants you to be solidified in faith by what his word says because we are able to look into this glorious mirror and we're able to see him. We're able to glimpse him. And so if we're going to be growing in faith, then we need to be in the word. We need to be in the presence of Almighty God. And we need to surround ourselves with people who are growing in their faith. And if we happen, because sometimes it happens this way, we get around folks that we love and that we care about, and they don't seem to have that faith that they should be having, and that's okay because if you have been locked up in that prayer closet, if you have been in faith with the King of glory, if you have been in intimacy with him, then guess what? You are able to enter into the atmosphere, and you're able to provide a faith deposit, glory to God, into their lives. What you've got to do is don't be afraid to express your faith no matter what they're saying glory to God no matter how good they sound no matter how smart they sound you've got to have a faith that is burning inside of you and something that is stirring and that you just cannot keep quiet when folks begin to talk in ways that seem like they're doubting your God when folks begin to communicate in a manner that doesn't seem like they believe that he can do all things oh yeah they said he can do all things but they don't believe it what you've got to do is deposit into their lives glory to God because, see, that's the other way that you grow in faith. It's called exercising it. And, see, when you get around folks that are faithless, you can praise the Lord because he says, even though we be faithless, God is faithful. And we have got to be the type of people that are filled with that kind of faith so we can grow and help others grow. Amen? I want to read a couple of quotes because as I was looking through the definitions of faith, I, I ran over a couple of quotes that I thought were good. And I want to share them with you. True Bible faith is not blind optimism or a manufactured hope-so feeling. See, a lot of times we think that faith is this positive thinking. The devil is a liar, y'all. It's not something you manufacture. It's not something that you can build up. It's something that is either there or it's not. Amen? So it's not some hope-so feeling. Neither is it, listen to this, an intellectual assent to a doctrine. So you can believe that God is almighty. You can believe the doctrines that God is sovereign. You can believe the doctrines that God is this and that and the next thing. You can believe all of that mentally and, and assent to and say, you know, I believe that. I believe that. Hmm. If it's here and it's not here, it's not faith, y'all. Hello. And it is certainly, certainly not believing in spite of evidence, for that would be superstition. You see, but our God has given us the evidence. He's given us historical evidence, documentation. But not only that, see, because I don't want you to get stuck on this, because when I pray, I'm like, God, you know, these words are not just historical words. You don't want me to live on the faith of the Apostle Paul. Hello, somebody. 
You don't want me to live on the faith of Silas. You don't want me to live on the faith of Timothy. You want me to live on the faith that your spirit affords me. And you have given me these things as an example for what? So that way I could grow in my faith and I could believe God for the same exact things that I see in the word. I can grow in them. See, he, he doesn't want me to just say, yeah, well, you know what happened? <laughs> and you know what? That's good because it happened and that's enough. And it should be enough. But church, remember the message last week. Jesus said it clearly. When the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith? Will he find faith? Faith. See, because here's, here, can I say this? I, I guess I have to say this. Most of us believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forevermore. But we don't believe he's the same today. Did you hear me? Oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus walked on water. Oh, yeah. Jesus commanded those storms to be still. He did that. Jesus fed the 5,000. Hmm. Fed another group of 4,000. We, we, we believe that he is the same yesterday. Oh, yeah, yes, he is. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and, and we believe that the king is coming in glory. Hallelujah. We believe that he is going to return and this world is going to be turned upside down. But my question is, do you believe that he is the same today? Do you believe that he is the same right now? Do you believe that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to what? The power that works in you? Or is it just, well, he was great yesterday. That's enough for me to believe. And you know what? He's going to be great tomorrow. But today, church, he wants to be your God today. He wants to be your source of faith today. He wants to be your source of life today. And so we've got to get to that place. Let me continue on with these wonderful quotes. The unsaved world does not understand true Bible faith. And this one's about to hurt. Probably because it sees so little faith in action in the church today. Mm -hmm. Faith is not some feeling, again, that we manufacture. But this is what it is. It is our total response to what God has revealed in his word. Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. It gives confidence and assurance that he or she will stand. When a believer has faith, it is God's way of giving him or her confidence and assurance that what is promised will be experienced. Oh, glory to God. Faith is the inward conviction from God that what he has promised, he will perform. I won't perform it. You won't perform it. But he'll perform it. You know why? Because he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hello, somebody. He is God Almighty, and if he said it, then he meant it. Faith does what? It enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. It enables us, church, to know that what God has declared is truth. That is the reason why we live, not for here and now, but we live for the kingdom to come. Hello, somebody. But Jesus gives us some things, and he shows us, listen, you can trust me. You can trust my word. Read the book of John, church. 
Sit down and read the book of John and watch his communication with his disciples and what he tells them and what he communicates. Why do I tell you to do this? Because Jesus told his disciples to go and to teach all nations what? Every single thing that he taught them. So you know what that means? That means the stuff that is found in the book of John, all of those intimate conversations where Christ is giving, him, giving his disciples all of this confidence. You want to know what the first church had? The first church had all of that teaching down deep in their spirit and that's why they were rejoicing in whatever they were facing. That's the reason that they were going through whatever they were going through with a joy that was inexpressible church because they were sustained in faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 2 says to us that the elders received a witness or a testimony as a result of their faith. And I'm going to just say this is my belief because I'm not going to say the Lord said this to me, but I believe this wholeheartedly. And it is that God Almighty is looking for a people to give witness to today. He is looking for a people who he can talk about the same way he spoke about Abel, the same way he, sp he speaks about Enoch, the same way he speaks about Noah, the same way he talks about Abraham church. He's looking for someone else that he can speak about. He's looking for someone he can testify about the same way that he did about his own son, the same way that he did about the apostles and throughout the book of Acts, the church, the same way that he does in, in, in modern church history, he testifies and he speaks of these people of faith, church, and he's looking for someone, some people who will rise up and say, Lord, here I am. I want to be that man of faith. I want to be that woman of faith. I want to step further than I've ever stepped with you. I want to go further than I've, that, that's what he's looking for, church. He is looking for a people that are going to be faithful, that are going to be faithful, church. And so today the title of the message is Faithful Worship. Last week it was just faithful. This week I want to talk to you about faithful worship. Remember, I'm not talking about faithful. I'm talking about faith-f-u-l-l, -L, faithful worship, worship that is full of faith. Because the first thing that, 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 that the writer of the book of Hebrews points out to us in this hall of faith, the first person who made it into the hall of faith was a worshiper. Did you hear me? The first person who made it was a worshiper. The first person who made it was someone who came and gave God the first recorded. Listen to what I just said. The first recorded sacrifice. Because if we are going to be faithful to the text, we don't know what happened before that. What we do know is that God gives us the first example of worship in the scriptures, in the life of Cain and of Abel. And Abel makes it to this hall of faith. And so the first thing I want you to repeat with me is say, we must understand that our worship can be measured as regarded or disregarded. Mm-hmm. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's truth. Your worship can be regarded by God or disregarded by God. It's all up to him. Mm -hmm. But I want to give you some comfort, glory to God. He's not just saying, well, I choose his worship. I don't like her worship. I choose that, that, that's, not what, that's not what our God does, okay? So don't worry about it. Don't be like, well, how do I know? Are we going to know how we know by the end of this? Glory to God. At least I hope so. That is my aim, that you will know how to know if your worship is regarded or disregarded by the Lord. Now, if you turn back to the book of Genesis chapter 4, 
You find here in, in, in the scripture in verse 4, it says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected, and another translation is the word regarded, and that's the reason why I use the word regarded, respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect or he, di or he disregarded Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. When you look up the word regarded in the Hebrew, which is that word for respect there, it is the Hebrew word sakah. And it means to accept, look with favor, have regard for. It means to receive a gift or other object as acceptable. Or it means, and I love this portion of the definition, to look at with interest. So when we're looking at the scriptures here, what we know is that when God looked at Abel and his offering, he looked at it with interest. But when Cain brought his offering, God did not. He was not interested in what Cain was bringing. Now, 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 just stick with me for a moment because I want you to realize this, that worship, because remember we're talking about faith, worship that is not conditioned and motivated by faith does not interest God. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Remember, the first one to make it into the hall of faith is a worshiper. And the whole point of him making it there is because faith is what caused his worship to be acceptable unto the Lord. Amen? So we have this wonderful story here that we see that one person's worship is conditioned, is motivated by faith, and God looked upon it with interest. Faithful worship begins, hear this, with having a true regard or a true respect for our maker and considering him as being truly worthy. Understand this. That when we are really going to worship God, when we are really going to bring worship an offering or bring God an offering of worship that he is going to accept. Church, we need to make sure that our hearts have been conditioned by faith and that we are regarding him. Because the only reason, I'm going to say this, this, this will be the first one that you get. The only reason why Cain's offering was rejected was because he did not regard God the way God needed to be regarded. He did not view God the way he needed to view God. How do you know this? Because God is not a respecter of persons, church. Hello? He didn't just say, well, you know what? I just need to put the first act of worship here in the Bible. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to accept his offering and I'm going to reject his just so I can just make a point. Hello? No. What he does is he shows us a picture and he says, okay, the first time that I'm going to show you worship is a time where there is a difference where two brothers, some people believe them to be twins, but these two brothers come and they bring an offering at the same time to the Lord. And one of them is accepted and the other one is rejected. And so what I said was that you got to regard God as who he is. If you remember a long time ago, a couple of years ago, if you were not here, you're not going to remember this, obviously. So this will be new to you. But when I was doing the series on worship and I was talking about praise, I said that the old English word for the word worship is the word worth-ship. And what it means is it means to pay reverence to worth. In other words, when you and I come to worship God, we are giving him reverence 
because of his worth. And we do that based upon his worth. You know, it's like your parents. You know, we, when, when, when we're younger, we don't, we, we, when we're kids, or when we're little kids, you know, like my, you know, my daughter's age and, you know, and younger than that, we, 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 don't, we don't sit here and tell our parents stuff like, well, you got to respect me if you want respect. No, when they get older, they might try to get crazy. Hallelujah. You know, that's why some folks are laughing right now because they know that someone got crazy. Up. Glory to God. Uh-huh. But, but, you know, when we're kids, we don't do that. Why? Because our parents, the apple of our eye, right? Our parents are just wonderful. But then we get to a little age, you know what I'm saying? And we start to feel like we're something. Mm-hmm. And you're right, you're something, glory to all the youth. are like, Bishop, was, look, I'm, I'm telling y'all something. I, I respect y'all. Just give me respect. We're going to be all right. Praise the Lord. But listen, we get to that age, and we start to feel like we're something. And, you know, mom or dad speaks to us in a way that, yo, that's disrespectful. Are you talking to me like that? Mm-hmm. And then you learn, like Bill Cosby used to say, I brought you into this earth, and I will take you out. Mm-hmm. Listen, listen, listen. The point of the matter is, when we're younger, our parents are everything to us. We look at them with eyes of worship. I'll tell you like that. We, you know, kids don't know no different. They look at, we look at our parents, daddy comes home, and we worship the ground they're walking on. Mommy comes home, worship the ground that they're walking Because that's, because we're just in love with our parents, okay? It, it just happens that way. But then we start to grow up, and all of a sudden, you know, we get, we get this place where we start to feel like who deserves respect, right? That's what God wants you to be. Hello. God wants you to be at the place where you know how to differentiate between who is worthy of respect and who is not. Because that's where worship comes from. Because when you really understand how worthy God is, your life begins to change. Your worship begins to change. Because now it is conditioned, it is motivated by a revelation of who God is. And so now worship goes from being something that is just, you know, automatic and robotic to being something that is passion-filled. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Second thing I want you to repeat after me, please, and say this, say, regard, regard for our maker will cause our worship to rise to the standard requirement. There are some requirements in worship because we are not worshiping just anybody. We are worshiping the almighty God. We are worshiping the king of kings. You know, it's funny because I, and, and I want you guys to know something. Um, you, whenever you want to buy me a gift, please feel free. Hallelujah. Don't even think about it twice. But you know, a lot of times people say, you know, they don't buy me a gift because they're like, Bishop, what are we going to buy you? You're the guy that has everything, right? Okay, praise the Lord. I don't have any, everything. I just want you to know that really quickly. I'm going to throw that in there. But God Almighty does. Amen? So how do you bring to him anything that he doesn't have already? How did, how, how did balloons? That's funny. She said balloons. Ring balloons. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I know you're messing with me. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, bows. She said bows, not balloons. You're bringing bows. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bose, all right, whatever. Listen, so here's, here, here's what happens. You have people that you know, you know, with not, not just me, but other people in your family. They have everything. So what do you buy them? 
Well, you know, go, go, go get him a gift card somewhere. Here you go. Just go. <laughs> be blessed. You'll be all right. Go to the mall. Get a, get, you know, get a gift card. That's what you do. You can't just give God a gift card from the mall. Amen? You've got to give him something. There is something that he is looking for. And when we regard our maker and we think of how vast and how wonderful and how glorious he is, what is it that he wants from little old me? And can I tell you what he wants? He wants all of your heart in worship. He wants all of you in worship because you know what? He doesn't have that. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. He don't have that because he gave you a will of your own. And you make a choice if you want to give him that or you don't. You make that decision. Because he didn't create you as a robot like the angels that all they can do is cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. No, you don't have to say holy, holy is the Lord. You can say other stuff. Hello. You can live other ways. You can do other things. with your, and, and so when God is talking about or when I'm speaking about what God is looking at is if we are regarding him, when we regard him, it will cause our worship to rise to his standard. It will cause our worship to be a worship that is faithful and not a worship that is tainted by anything else. So what do we want to do? We want to look at the example in the book of Genesis chapter 4. Because looking at the example of Cain and Abel, we can better understand what is regarded by God as true worship or not. And we look at this story here, and you can look at it if you're there in the book of Genesis chapter 4. And it says, and it says, I, I want us to read this again because I want you to see, and that way you, you'll know that, there, that, that, that if we're going to let the scriptures interpret scriptures, we got to stick with what we got right here in this chapter. And it says, and in the process of time in verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and, their, and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well. Now let's just stop right there for a moment. God is saying to him, if you do well, or if you do what is right, if you do what you know you need to do, now, I want you to understand this because we have a revelation of who God is. We know that God is just. That God is just. Which means that God is not going to hold us accountable for something that he has not already revealed to us. Amen? He's not going to come and ask you about his son if you, know, you, if you reject his son while you're here on the earth if you never heard about him. He's not going to do that to you because that would be an unjust, an unjust behavior. And so what we got to do is we have to say, okay, first of all, we know that God is a just God, right? We know that God is a God that is a God of order. And so obviously what we don't know, and, and, and listen, I want you to know this, that a bunch of scholars, you know, they, they argue about this text back and forth. You can get 10 different reasons why, why, why um, Abel's offering was accepted more than Cain's offering. You can, you can go out and because they argue back and forth day and night, and they go on and on and on. And you know what? The, the greatest argument that most of them think is they say the reason why Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not was because Abel offered an offering with blood in it. That's what they believe. And I'm going to tell you the scripture and the, way, and the reason why they, why they say that. They say that because if you remember, Adam and Eve, what did they do? Remember when they, when they ate the fruit? Remember what they did to cover themselves up? They covered themselves with leaves, right? They covered themselves with plants. And what did God do? Right before God kicks them out of the garden, he goes ahead and he says, hey, you know, I'm going to clothe them. So obviously, you know, they say, well, how did God clothe them with animal skin unless an animal was killed? That, that, that's what they believe. Okay, but I have an issue with that. The issue is this. If I'm going to use that to interpret what was going on here, God wasn't worshiping himself. 
Hello? God was making clothing for these people. Now, I know there was bloodshed and all that, but listen, listen, listen to me. I want you to understand that it would be inappropriate for us to infer that to the text because that is not what God is trying to communicate here. I'm going to show you why in a moment, but I just want to continue on with you here because I know you're like, oh, Bishop, you know, you're messing us up. You know this. Okay, listen, listen. It's, it's all right. Glory to God. So you have all of these different things, and what they say, they say that Cain should have came to Abel and said, Abel, I'm going to give you some of my, some of my produce, and I'm going to get some of your lambs, and I'm going to offer a bloody sacrifice to the Lord. Okay, sounds great, sounds wonderful, doesn't convince me. Why? Because the scriptures show us something. When you read the Hebrew, there is an emphasis that is made upon the whole situation here. And it says this, and you got, you got to read it with me in verse, in verse 4. It says that, and the Lord respected Abel. Did you hear that? It didn't say Abel's offering first. It says the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And then it goes on to say in verse 5, he did not respect Cain and his offering. Now you notice where the emphasis is placed. It is placed on the person, not on what they offered. And when you look at the two people here that are bringing this offering, there is something that we have got to grasp. The reason why one of their gifts was accepted and the other one was not, it had nothing to do with the gift. It had to do with the giver. If we go through to the New Testament, we find something that Jesus says, and it's pretty awesome. He's speaking to this woman at the well, and he says to her, he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is of the Jews. The difference between a true worshiper and a false worshiper is who they know. Because what happens is, you will worship God with all of your being and with all of your heart when you know who he is. And in the text here, Abel proves that he knew who his God was. Abel shows that he knew. You know why? Because then we can look at the little other things there that they communicate about, which make a difference in the story. Because the scripture says that when Abel brought his stuff, it says that he brought the firstlings of the flock and the fat portions, which meant that he brought the best of everything. And when you look at what it says about Cain, what did Cain do? He brought some of his ground. He didn't bring the first portion. He didn't bring the best part of the ground. He brought some of his ground. And see, all of us know, you know, that are married in here, we realize this, that if we really want to show our spouses that we love them, <laughs> we don't give them our leftover time. We give them the first fruits. Hello, somebody. We don't say, baby, I'll get with you on Saturday at 4.30 after I went and did such and such and such and such. But we say, baby, I want to make breakfast for you. Praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, pastor. Receive that. Receive that, pastor. He was trying to get away from that blessing right there. Glory to God. I, I want to make breakfast for you because I just want to look at your beautiful face before I look at anybody else's. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
You're a little late there. You're a little late there, but it's all right. It's okay. You made it. You made it. Listen, how do you show somebody that you care about them? Listen, think, think about this for a moment. See, you, you younger, younger guys and younger ladies, you're, 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 you're right there right now. But when we were younger and we first got together, unless we were crazy and out of our mind and we just thought we were all that, that wasn't me, hallelujah. What do we do? We were sacrificing everything to be around the, to be around the one that we loved. Basketball? <laughs> Hanging out? Non-existent. Where's he at? Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm not even going to use the words that they use, but anyway. <laughs> Xbox, no. <laughs> Got X'd. Listen. You showed them this concern because they were of the utmost importance. You gave them the first, the most important of your time. When you look at the story here, Cain didn't do that with God. And you want me to tell you where the proof is? I'm going to tell you where the proof also comes in. Because when God is looking at both of them, you know what Cain does? Instead of him looking at the fact that God respected Abel's offering, you know what he did? He got angry. He got angry. He got vengeful because there was something wrong in his heart. And so you know what he did? Rather than change his worship, I'm going to kill the true worshiper. Mm -hmm. Rather than get myself right, I'm going to talk bad about the one that is so full of God. Mm -hmm. Because that's how we kill him today. I'm going to hang out with you. Learn all your little secrets. And I'm going to say, mm-hmm, that one, mm-hmm. Mm, it's quiet up in here, glory to God. It's all right, though. It's okay. Oh, that one, he's too radical. Oh, her, she's too radical. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Why don't you check yourself and check your heart to ensure that your worship is right before God? Because what does he say? He says, if you will do well, you're going to be accepted. He said, and if not... Sin is at your door. But you know what God showed also? He said, son, I want you to have victory over this. All you got to do is turn away from your ways and do things according to my way. But the problem was one of them was worshiping God based on faith. The other one was worshiping God based on his own. Okay, well, you know, yeah, God is all right. Mm -hmm. And you would think these were the sons of Adam and Eve, y'all. I mean, you, you, you want to talk about folks that got a story for you. It was them. Listen, son, I want to tell you about something. When you go ahead and get ready to pick a wife, let me just tell you something. Hallelujah. Make sure that she ain't going to lead you astray. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ladies are like, Bishop, what's wrong with you? Listen, 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 listen. Man, you could only be led astray because you want to be led astray. But anyway, I'm just telling Adam's story right now. Glory to his name. He says to his sons, sons. We were in this glorious, 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 this glorious, lush garden. Hallelujah. Just the beauty of the holiness of God was surrounding us. We had everything that we wanted. And God said, do not eat from this tree. And your mama your mama, that beautiful woman, 
Ooh, man, yeah, her. She decided that she was going to eat of that fruit. And then instead of just eating it herself, because you know how it is, you know, if your wife's eating, you got to eat it too. She, she's on a diet, everything's good, but the moment she has a piece of cake, you know, you're going to have some of this. I don't want none of that. Yes, you're going to have some. Hello. Okay. All right. Ladies, I love y'all. I'm just telling Adam's story, okay? So don't, don't, don't be offended. Instead of her just eating the fruit, she came to me and said, Daddy, this is good stuff. And I ate it. And you know what happened? We got kicked out of that beautiful place. And now I'm out here sweating <laughs> to the oldies. I'm over here killing myself. My back is hurting, son. So think about obeying God. Because all we did in the garden was took a bite of a piece of fruit. And that caused us to lose all of that. So sons, when you look at God, respect him. Reverence him, honor him, give him the glory that he deserves. That's the story that they had. And one of them came out of all of that and was like, yeah, I'm just going to give him some of the ground. <laughs> Let him know I thought about him. He was in my day. Church, I want you to understand something. When I'm talking about worship, I'm not talking about singing. Singing is a part of worship but it's not the fullness of worship. When Jesus was talking to that woman at the well and he speaks to her and he says that the Father is looking not for worship, and this is what we've got to grasp, is that the Father is not looking for stuff. He's looking for you. He is looking for worshipers, not worship. His throne room is surrounded with worship that will outdo anything that we could ever do on our best day when it comes to singing. Hello. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the angels in heaven and what that chorus must sound like? I mean, just, just for a moment, just think about how glorious that must be. So we, he's not looking for us to impress him with that. What impresses him is when we regard him as being the Holy One. When we regard him as being our maker. And when we allow our worship of him to go beyond just the leftovers of our life, but that he becomes the primary one. When we look at the other scriptures, we find in the book of John where Jesus speaks to the woman at the well. The apostle Paul tells us something. He says that we must what? Be living sacrifices. The book of, the, the, the book of um, 1 Samuel, um, the prophet Samuel tells Saul, he says that God is more concerned with obedience than sacrifice. And lastly, King David shows us in Psalm Psalm 51, he says that, the, that, that God did not desire the sacrifices of bulls and all of these other things. He said, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. He says, a broken and a contrite heart. Lord, you will not despise these. You will not cast me away because that is what God is looking for in a worshiper. Worship that is regarded by God, listen to me, is not measured by amounts because we think, well, if I do more, and when I talk about amounts, I'm not just talking about money, church. I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our talent. We think, well, that person has more talent than me, and so, you know, their worship is better. No, the devil is a liar. It is your heart that God is looking for in all of your worship and whatever you do. God does not measure it based on amounts, church. He never bases it on the what. He bases it on the who. 
He is not so much concerned with what we are giving because if we are giving out of a heart that is conditioned by faith, the amounts will be scriptural and the, and, and, and the amounts will be spirit-led. That's all that's going to happen there, church. When we talk about our time, it's going to be the way. How long should I pray? Well, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Hello, somebody. 15 minutes is not good enough. 30 minutes is not good enough. Two hours is not good enough. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That's what the scripture says. And when your heart is conditioned by faith, you know what you do? You become a person that is offering your life as a living sacrifice, not parts of your life as sacrifice. That's what a true worshiper is, that God is regarding. The last thing I want you to repeat with me is say this, faithful worship will be heard long after we are dead. The scripture says here that through faith, though Abel is dead, his worship is still speaking to us, church. His worship is still talking to us. When we look throughout our Bibles, what do we find? We find men and women who were living their lives for God, and you know what? Their lives are still speaking to us. When you look through modern church history, because we think for some reason that the only people's lives that are going to speak to us are the ones that are in the Bible. But if you just sit down and just for a moment, you will see that God has, has, has touched people's hearts to write about other men and women of God who walk this earth. And you know what they are doing? They're communicating to you of these people's worship of God. And you know what their worship is doing? Their worship is still speaking. So what does their worship tell us? Faith-filled worship. Or the worship that he is showing us, the worship that is still speaking today and testifying and challenging us to do what? To become dead to self-worshippers who live by faith in Christ. See, this is what Abel's worship does for us. He says, don't be living for yourself. That's not true worship. Don't be like Cain, my brother, who killed me. Hello. Who came up on the scene. And you know what? He knew that he had to do something, and so that's why he did. It didn't come from his heart. It didn't come from the depth of his soul. It wasn't something that was burning. Listen, church, God is not looking for the what. He's looking for the who. And what we got to realize is that to be faith-filled worshipers, it's going to cost us our life. Either now, as we die every day to ourselves, and it could just depends on the situation. You could be in a situation like that Columbine High shooting and be asked the question, do you believe in Jesus? Right in the United States of America, wasn't that? Right here, the land of the free, home of the brave, glory to God. And you know what happened? This young lady, she had to do what? She had to make a choice. I'm either going to worship him to the end or I could just step back and say, God will forgive me if I say no. He knows my life is important, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Church, God is looking for faith-filled worshipers. And so my question for you as I close is, is your worship conditioned and motivated by faith? Is your worship of God, not your singing, if you're a musician, singer, not your participation up here, if you're truly part of the worship team, not your singing there, but your lifestyle. 
is your lifestyle worship. Our Casting Crowns calls it, is your life song. Is your life song conditioned by faith, motivated by faith? Or is it just something that is filled with ritual? Something that is filled with, you know what, I know that God is there, but I'm not really committed to him. See, when we find ourselves searching our hearts, we have to realize that faithful worship that is conditioned by faith realizes this, that everything we do either honors God or dishonors God. There's no in between. It is either bringing honor to him or it is bringing dishonor to him. The way that we treat our spouse is either honoring God or dishonoring God. The way that we treat our children is either honoring God or dishonoring God. The way that we deal with money, and I'm not just talking about giving, church. I'm talking about our everyday spending. It either honors God or it doesn't honor God. The way that you are an employee, the things that you do in your workplace, your work ethics, they either honor God or they dishonor God. The way that you deal with your neighbors, it either honors God or it dishonors God. See, true worshipers understand that and they realize that when you come to church when you even go into a prayer closet and you begin to sing unto the Lord or whatever you're doing listen all of that stuff is prefaced by your lifestyle it's preconditioned and God is not just looking for the act of worship he's looking for the life of worship Jesus said it clearly he said true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit means that they are worshiping Him from their born-again life because your spirit is dead. If you are in this place, listen to me, and you do not know Jesus, your spirit is dead. So you cannot worship Him beginning in that area. And He says they will worship me in spirit. And then He says in truth. The truth is found right here in his word. He says, they will worship me in the spirit. They will worship me from the depth of their soul. And they will worship me according to my word. Their life will sing unto me day in and day out. And so as I said earlier, is your worship like that of Abel? Is it a faith-filled worship? Is it a worship that is overwhelmed, overtaken, and overcome by Almighty God? Because if it's not, God wants you to have that kind of worship for Him. Everybody stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.